Welcome to We Question and Learn. We're celebrating our 17th year with different guests from in and around the Northwest Pennsylvania and sometimes beyond. We are now on NPR One, distributed there, and also on about six other podcast venues, so our reach goes up pretty far. Today, we have the honor and privilege, I hope I can call you an old friend, not meaning that you're aged, Charles <laughs> Boo Haggerty. Uh, he is the Chief Development Officer of the Hammett Health Foundation. How long have you been doing that now? It seems quite a long well, time. So, Tom, first of all, thanks. Great to be here with you today. And, and the answer is, I've been at Hammett 20 years, but my career with Hammett spans now 30 years. So when you think about the my 10 years in the ad agency with Hammett as my client, so uh, oh. quite a while with the organization. So yes, we can call ourselves old friends. I was going to say they finally gave you an office, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's sort of a joke in one way in that you, you don't sit around too much. Your duties go far and afield. You are the vice president of marketing and corporate communications. And in the 21st century here, that's probably taken on a whole new realm. And I'm, I'm referring to not only the old traditional ways that you and I remember, i.e. the uh, typewriter and the sure. postage stamp, but going into the 21st century, have things changed much or is it just uh, the media that's changed? No, things have changed dramatically uh, for sure. You know, when you talk about my time, at Hammett. I've done a number of different roles, you know, and, you know, specifically at the foundation about eight years, um, actually 10 years now overseeing that part of it. But, you know, part of my time at Hammett definitely was marketing. I have to say that there's, there's people a lot smarter and a lot younger than me (laughs) who are taking it to a whole nother level because we definitely have changed the way we communicate with people. And I don't want that to be mistaken for, traditional forms like this aren't important because they're vitally important. I love podcasts. You know, I, I, I I love different ways to communicate with, with, with um, the community for sure. But yeah, it's changed dramatically and it's generational uh, for sure. You know, I'm not a huge social media guy, but a lot of people are getting their information on social media. I worry about misinformation, but, but at the same time, um, information is information and people can process it in ways that, they probably didn't process it before. I think the consumer is smarter. Mm-hmm. I definitely think the healthcare consumer is smarter. And I actually think that's a good thing. So. Well, I don't want to give up the radio part. I, I my, finger, my fingernails are in the rug, even though with the COVID scenario, I'm sitting in the luxury of my at-home upstairs yeah. studio, which yeah. which we all have now, right, uh, Boo? You yeah, probably absolutely. communicate with quite a yeah. few of your donors and members via Zoom, I'm guessing, right? Absolutely. We're doing a lot of Zoom. I'm at home right now as well. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that being said, no. You know, the, I think the beauty of this is radio is not going away. You know, it's very much a very important, important medium. And, and every one of us uses it to our advantage, for sure. So I'm glad to be with you today. Well, a challenge in the 21st century is fundraising. But you're well aware of all the, the challenges, I'm sure, having been in that position for quite a while now. As the chief development officer of yeah. the uh, Hammett Health Foundation, what are your duties as assigned, as they say? So I, I would say in, 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 in a sentence, we're, we are to drive healthcare change. You know, that's, that's what we are trying to do at the Hammond Health Foundation is really drive new and innovative ways for people to access healthcare. And we're able to do that. And, and if you talk about the fundraising side, fundraising doesn't have to be difficult. If you put the right projects in front of people, 
that they are passionate about. So, so my biggest challenge, I would say, Tom, and mm-hmm. COVID just just screamed the inequities, right? But mm-hmm. 2020 has been a has been a year where we've really seen firsthand the inequities of of, of the distribution of healthcare, and we're we're, we're we want to change that, and in many different forms. We want everyone to have access to a physician, regardless of their zip code, regardless of their address, regardless of their race, ethnicity, gender. You know, we want everybody to have access to healthcare, and we don't have an equitable access of healthcare. So we're driving things like, like you know, putting doctors' offices in neighborhoods that don't have haven't had doctors' offices in the past. We believe that we need to drive education not just for our employees at the hospital who who need to advance their their knowledge and, and advance their careers that's very important to us but for members of our community who don't see themselves as healthcare workers we are in the process right now of being the major force behind the renovation of wayne school mm-hmm. inside wayne school at sixth and east avenue mm-hmm. um this spring we will see a rebirth of that school. And then the first floor will be the Erie Center for Arts and Technology. It's a arts and technological program for students and, and, and high school graduates who, who you know, need a little something extra, need a little boost. And inside ECAT, we'll have programs that are mentoring high school students, but we'll have programs that are teaching a trade at no cost to the student. We'll do medical assistant training um, we're looking at insurance coding. We're looking at some other things. We're working with the trades right now. Mm. So I'm the board chair of that. And our foundation is a major investor in, in ECAP. The second floor of that building will be the United Way of Erie County, which they're moving their corporate offices into Wayne School. But also on the second floor is Primary Health Network, which is a federally qualified health center. It's in the basement of that building. It'll be moving up to the second floor, doubling their square footage, adding practitioners, and taking care of the healthcare needs of that neighborhood. And then the third floor, probably one of the things that I'm most proud of that we were able to get accomplished this year is we're starting a school of nursing. And it's mm-hmm. an RN program. It's gonna be called the UPMC Jameson School of Nursing at UPMC Hammett. Mm-hmm. And inside that will be 58 students starting an RN program. And they're probably that non-traditional nursing student that's someone who sees themselves as a nurse, but maybe doesn't see themselves at a four-year college. So we're going to be able to put them in this hospital-trained um, nursing program. And two terms a year, we'll hire, you know, we'll, we'll have a class. So by a year from now, we'll have, you know, well over 120 um, RN students who will provide, you know, and help with the nursing shortage in this community. So that's a big project we're working on. That Wayne School is a mouthful, but every floor of that building, every tenant in that building, we are we are um, helping at the foundation to drive the funding to make that happen. That's fabulous because um, something ends up getting bulldozed down, and you've taken it 180 degrees and created not one but a whole group of. Uh, well, a place for community organizations to help. Yeah. Plus, the fact you'll be there as well. Yeah, uh, what's yeah. what's what's great is it it gives a neighborhood hope. Yes, you know, and and we're we're very excited about being a major part of that. So, so that's just one thing we're doing this year. That that, that one project. There's there's many facets inside that project, 
but that's just one thing we're doing in 2020. Uh, we're we're supporting the build of a brand new patient care tower at, at Hammond that has opened this winter and and yeah. yeah. As so, as we're uh, recording this, we can say the 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 opening is today. So <laughs> yeah, you probably have to run downstairs or run over to the office and celebrate that. Which uh, is no which is no problem. I, I'm happy to be with you for sure. No, no, it's great. I want you to frame that the building and the resource it brings, the service it brings to the community. All I saw was at first a big hole, and now I, I've seen uh, the building. Can you just describe that facility for sure. say for folks who don't get downtown or for folks who are out of town right now? Sure. The The last place we want any of your listeners to be is in an ICU in a hospital. But inevitably, you know, ourselves, our loved ones, our family, you know, family members, our friends end up in an ICU after major cardiac surgery, after a trauma, after, you know, some neurological problems, strokes, whatnot, mm-hmm. medical intensive care. All of our intensive care units in the hospital, Tom, over the years have been spread out on multiple floors. And um, certainly the care isn't as much about the facility as the people, uh, but the facility is not unimportant. We are now able to, starting, you know, right now, we will move our, our, our clinicians over to this new building. And on two floors, we'll have 64 brand new ICUs. Inside these ICU rooms, they're they're 100% private rooms. They have their own bathroom, which makes you think, well, they should. Well, a lot of a lot of ICU rooms do not. They have their own bathroom, a couch for a loved one to stay. Every room has a window with natural light coming in. We don't have that now. Mm. But beyond all that, the medical technology we're able to put in there is second to none. If a patient has to be dialysized, we don't have to move them out to the dialysis unit. We can do it right in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the All the... There, you could probably, it's equipped enough if you had to do a procedure, not move the patient, could do a procedure in that room. So the, the intensive care units are, are completely um, brand new at Hammond as of today. And that's a huge impact. This is 10 years that we've affiliated with UPMC. And I would say this is the last renovation of the hospital. Every, every room inside our hospital in the last 10 years has been renovated in one way, shape, or form. And this is the final piece of it. And we're very, very excited about being able to deliver the highest quality care, patient satisfaction foremost, but also in a facility that you're not going to see anything like it in the country. You folks have done excellent work getting the money together to do that, let alone building a fantastic and state-of-the-art 21st century uh, facility. Let, let's talk about your your job. If I took uh, one folder for every foundation or fund that uh, supports you, uh, I wouldn't have, it, it wouldn't fit on the desk in this room by far. The folders would be falling on the floor. So you have many, many, many endowments. Those have been developed over the years, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. We have some going back to 60, 70 years ago. Uh, I oh. mean, it, 140 years on July 1st will be the anniversary of Hammett, and the you know Charles Hammett Strong and his his wife and his sisters founded the hospital. They donated their home to the community to be a hospital in the name of their grandfather, mm. and and at that moment fundraising began. It, the hospital started on philanthropy and there was 40 people in the community who were what's called the Hammett Board of Corporators. Mm-hmm. And those 40 people were the kind of the ambassadors to the hospital. They appointed the board, um, but they are also fundraisers and they also donated to the hospital. And 
you know, a nursing school started at the hospital in like the 1890s, all through philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a volunteer organization, which is now the Hammond Aid Society, started on philanthropy. And the job was to support, you know, all the equipment, all the technology that you're putting in the hospital. 140 years later, we're still doing the same thing. And we have uh, a, about 140 funds that are, you know, wow. temporarily or permanently endowed. Yes. that support our hospital and that grows. I mean, certainly we're adding to that, you know, hopefully every day, you know, yes, but not yes. quite every day, you yeah. know, how that goes. Yeah. Um, but we, we have a tremendous amount of support from that board of corporators, which is now 350 people strong. Our board of corporators oh. adopts a project every year and we fundraise with them every year to ask them to support a project. And those projects have been, many over the years this year they're they're supporting scholarships for our school of nursing mm-hmm. you know last year they supported our research initi- initiative where we launched mcgee women's research institute which we can talk about a little bit mm-hmm. uh but over the years they funded you know upgrades in our radiology department upgrades in our emergency department upgrades in our operating rooms uh, they've funded scholarship programs in the past so these corporators have been fantastic and whatever project we say has the highest need at the hospital, they they go with it, and they're and and it's a board driven process. Our, we have corporate we have corporate officers, mm-hmm. and they guide our foundation board in terms of what they see as the priorities for the community. And there are eyes and ears out there. And that model is 140 years old, stands the test of time. But make no mistake about it. Mm-hmm. As much as the Hammond Health Foundation supports this hospital, supports this community, we're really proud of that. Ten years ago, we affiliated with UPMC, Tom. Well, now you people- you took my next question, but that's quite all right. I just <laughs> well, want to let folks know we're talking with Charles Boo Haggerty. So if they're tuning in, they're catching this. He is the chief development officer of the Hammett Health Foundation here on WQLN. Now, I didn't mean to interrupt you because you're no, you're making right. a very important point. Go right ahead. Well, and I, and I, you know, ten years ago when we affiliated with UPMC, mm-hmm. it was it was really. Um, quite a monumental feat for the community, for the healthcare of the community, in as much as that UPMC guaranteed $300 million in capital investment in UPMC Hammett. Mm-hmm. And, and as I told you, we've rebuilt that hospital inside out mm-hmm. in the last 10 years under great leadership, by the way, David Gibbons, our president, yes. Jim Ferrendo prior to David, yes. you know, fabulous men who mm-hmm. have done a great job with a, a second to none medical staff, second to none nursing staff, second to none administrative team. I'm just really proud of my coworkers who I get to work with every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But UPMC promised, you know, guaranteed $300 million. I, I always said there wasn't a hospital president in the country who could hold up a piece of paper and say, in the next 10 years, I'm guaranteed to spend $300 million. That's mm-hmm. if I don't make a penny, you know, mm-hmm. um, make no mistake. We have margins we have to hit, but, but for the, you know, $300 million guaranteed. When the tower's ribbon is cut today, Tom, mm-hmm. it'll be over $400 million in investment. Wow. In this and community? In Erie, PA. And that's not counting payroll, utilities, all no. the infrastructure, the spinoff, no, no, that, uh, no, that that's just, people that's delivering, just, bringing things to you. I mean, that's a, that's a spider web that encompasses exactly. all the way back down to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It costs $2 million a day to run the hospital. And, and that's, that's, oh, could a, you repeat that? I, I, my ears just burned a little, I mean, in yeah. a good, in a good way, because that means yeah. excellent service. The, a day. 
about two hundred. There's about two million bucks a day to two run. Two million bucks a day. Wow. By the time you have salaries and and technology, you know, and everything, and it's yeah, you know, yeah. it's an impressive number because we're you know thirty five hundred people strong with well paid jobs and taking care of their families and you know members of our community and certainly we're proud of that. You know, we're the, one of the largest employers in in Erie County and we're mm-hmm. we're proud of that. Uh, people in healthcare this year especially um our heroes you know and it's something that we've known all along but it's something that the country really got to start to understand maybe a little bit more this year yeah how is this boy uh, i almost asked you a very dumb question but maybe it isn't how is this affecting you um oh no it's not a dumb question at all i think it's a really good question okay Um, yeah uh, how is this how is it all working out it, it, I, I will tell you that we are we are better and smarter today than we were a year ago. Um, that being said, it's been emotional. I would I would you know I don't want to speak for my coworkers and my colleagues. I, I'm fortunate enough that as an administrator of the hospital, I, I get to round a lot and I get mm-hmm. to talk to the employees and mm-hmm. and you know just thank them for the, the job well done. And but let them vent a little bit, you know, what's on their mind? What are the questions? You know, these are people who are taking care of very sick people and then worried about going home and, you know, bringing COVID into their home or, you know, and COVID was such an unknown in March. We have a little bit better grip on it now in terms of how to mm-hmm. deal with it. Um, but it has affected people personally and emotionally in, in many different ways, but it has not stopped a person from giving the highest quality care to their patient, you know, and I, but I would say, Tom, the, the intangible, the thing that you really couldn't think about or plan on, mm-hmm. we had to, for many, many reasons, limit our visitations, right? Oh, uh, yes, of course. I, you don't think you, about that immediately. You don't think about it immediately. It's yeah. one of those things yeah. that, yeah, it makes sense. You can't have, the enti- you know, it, it used to be the hospital was an open door all day long. And yes. it would it would not be unusual for for a patient to have five, six family members in their room at a time, yes, right? Yes, Because yes. you didn't want to take that away from them. So visiting hours for all hours of the day, and there was no limits as to how many people could be in the room. Mm-hmm. And as important as that is for the patient, sometimes that was cumbersome for the caregiver. You know, mm-hmm. you want to come in and have a conversation with the patient. You want to check vitals and you're you know, waiting through a sea of people to get to make that happen. Fine. You know, you dealt with all that. Now you flip to no visitors for a while mm-hmm. and then one visitor for a while, mm-hmm. but one visitor for 15 minutes, you know? So the patient was very much alone in the hospital. That's what took the toll on our employees because now all of a sudden they realized yeah. I have to be the one holding their hand when mm-hmm. they get some bad news. You know, I have to be the one holding their hand sadly when they, when they expire. And we had a lot of that. And that took an emotional toll on our employees. Between Christmas and New Year's, we had a lot of people who passed away. And they, they were, none of them were alone. Because our employees would, after their shift, punch out and say, I'm staying. And I'm going to sit here with this patient and hold their hand until they close their eyes for good. You know, and, mm-hmm. and they would sometimes be on FaceTime or Zoom with the family member. Mm. You know, mm. very emotional, very hard. And I, I tell you, the thing that blew me away this year, and I don't mean to get overly, you know. No, no, it's good. It's good. Deep here. No, go ahead. Um, we brought in therapy dogs 
um, oh, over, yeah. the year, yeah. over the years for our, for our patients. Well, in the last month, we're bringing them in for our employees. Oh, fabulous. And yeah. These therapy dogs, Therapy yeah. Dogs United, run by Bonnie Tercia. She's, she's yeah. been a godsend. Yeah. They, they have done a great job of helping the caregiver. You forget about how hard it is, how emotional it is for that caregiver to take care of really sick people and, and inevitably, in some cases, lose those patients. And that takes a toll. So I would say that's been the one thing that has really been different, right, for, yes. for, for lack of a better term. But again, we've learned a lot. It's making us better. We're going to come out of this much stronger than we ever were, much smarter than we ever were. Well, I think Northwest Pennsylvania and even beyond, because uh, I'm sure you have folks sneaking over the border, so to speak, and all for good cause and to have good outcome. The community is better not only financially, but physically because of the health care you provide, but emotionally yeah. now. The community, yeah. uh, I would hope, all they got to do is drive around the block where you are. They would feel better that there's a place they know they can go. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the things, and, and you touched on it a little bit with, with that comment is we we don't want people to feel like they have to leave the community for high quality health care. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm a numbers guy, right? Yeah, <laughs> looking, no, no problem. That's great. Look, look yeah. at look at data all the time. Yeah, you know, we had a board meeting at the UPMC Hammett board meeting yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we looked, we, we call it out migration. How many people are leaving the area community to go to Cleveland, to go to Buffalo, to go to Pittsburgh for their care? And it was double digits, you know, 10, really? 15 percent for hmm. years. One of the concerns that the community had would be if UPMC affiliates with Hammett, would more and more people be going to the Pittsburgh hospitals? Well, the reason UPMC affiliated with Hammett is to actually cut back on that. They were seeing too many people from Erie and they wanted people getting care at home. So it was actually the reverse of what people thought it was going to be. And now I can hmm. happily tell you that that number is down to about 4% of our patients. I got to say, I don't see as many as those helicopters anymore because those are used for emergency procedures. The, helicopter, yeah. the helicopters are bringing people to Hammett from the region, not taking people down to Pittsburgh. Hmm. I mean, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen. There's a point in time where the care has to be elevated to a special a specialty that maybe we don't have here, which are very few well, specialties. That, that happens everywhere in the it country. It happens everywhere. Yeah. 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 Where you have but, to bring the patient to that one physician right. who's so specialized that it's right. it's we, the only way to accomplish health care. Yeah. We probably see about ten thousand more patients per year in twenty twenty oh. than we did in twenty ten. That's a big increase. So so we're we're able to take care of people at the highest level. And the other thing that's really important, Tom, is, you know, we want the patient to have a great experience when they're there as well. So mm -hmm. we've been very intentional about making sure the patient experience and the patient experience isn't about being nice. You know, it's certainly that goes without saying, mm -hmm. you know, the patient experience is making sure that the patient feels informed, you know, that, that, that they're, all their questions are being answered. We hourly round on every patient, of course, when they're sleeping, you know, mm -hmm. but someone is in that room at least every hour mm -hmm. saying, do you need, how's your pain? Are you hungry? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to get up and stretch? Do you need to be repositioned in bed? Um, you know, every hour we, we do not let that patient have to hit that call bell. Right. So we got to be very, uh, so that's what we mean about the patient yeah. experience. And we work really hard to get that right. Yeah. 
Charles Boo Haggerty, Chief Development Officer, Hammond Health Foundation. Last couple of minutes here. You've done so much work. You've talked about all the renovation, the massive amount of uh, new construction, the facilities, the design, the uh, increase in, in health care by numbers and by profession. What, what's next in the next couple of years? Is there something or, or uh, are you uh, just making sure everything runs exactly the way it should? You want to break some news? Yes, I would be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it. So we we look really hard, Tom, at the social determinants of health, right? Yes, yes. As great as this hospital is, we don't want people coming here. We want them home. We don't want people sick. Oh, my. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and social determinants of health are many things, but basically what are the, what are the barriers um, that, that, that people need to knock down to stay healthy. And we, we took the unhealthiest zip code in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Unhealthiest isn't a negative term. I don't want it to sound that way, but just the greatest, the problems? greatest need you determine the greatest, greatest need. need. Yeah. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you, Tom. You should mm-hmm. be on my side. I, I uh, anytime I'm, I'm yeah. retired. Yeah. I'm available for any part-time work. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest need. So, yeah. so we we found an area of town and we went and talked to the neighbors. We we our foundation worked with Erie Insurance and the City of Erie, and Primary Health Network and UPMC for You, which is the Medicaid side of our health plan. Mm-hmm. And we and we put some money together and we hired people in the community. It's called the Count Me In Initiative, and we knocked on doors mm-hmm. and we talked to eight hundred people. And we said, what are the things getting in the way of your health, right? Mm. Um, access to a physician, mm. a good paying job, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. better housing. Yeah. So, so we're taking care of access to a physician by putting, by putting you know, physicians' offices in their neighborhoods. You know, a lot of work to do there, but that's what we're doing. The second is, is education. We're starting a school of nursing. We've we've started this Erie Center of Arts and Technology mm-hmm. where we can get training to people at no cost to them, and they can mm-hmm. go into a, you know, family sustaining wage job, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. because training is important. And then housing. Well, what do you do about that? Well, mm-hmm. we're going to start to partner with like-minded organizations, and and invest in housing. And by doing so, oh, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, the environment means everything. Yes. You know what's what's the air you're breathing? You know what what's you know or, or is it cool enough in the summertime, warm enough in the wintertime? You know, but with some of these places that some folks are living in, at no fault of theirs, it's all they can afford. It's broken windows. It's no it's no ventilation. It's no air conditioning. It's it the heat doesn't work in the winter, and it's not the right environment for people to stay healthy, period. We have to create that. So that's our next, that's our next thing. So there's no rest. We, we have no, so nothing, much work nothing to stopped. do. Unfortunately, yeah. something has to stop here, and this is the dilemma of broadcast uh, with these little 30-minute spigots we have. And I want to thank you heartily, Charles Boo Haggerty, Chief Development Officer of the Hammond Health Foundation, because I did learn something today. And thank you for the uh, the outlook into the years upcoming as to what UPMC Hammond will be doing in the community. So please accept my thanks today. Thank you, Tom. I, I appreciate you very much and being part of this. And I'm always willing to come back and talk to you. You know that. Anytime you, you need me, I'm, I, I love talking about this great stuff in this great community. Well, you have a guaranteed spot. Thank you again.
here's today's edition of Health in a Heartbeat. Go ahead, pile on the chili peppers, if you can tolerate them. It just might help your heart stay healthy. Findings by researchers in Italy suggest that regular consumption of chili peppers may reduce the long-term risk of death from cardiovascular disease. The research team followed the health habits and outcomes of more than 28,000 people from southern Italy from 2005 to 2010. About one-third of the study's participants said they rarely or never ate chili peppers, while about one-fourth said they ate them often, at least four times a week. Compared with those who didn't indulge in chili peppers or did so infrequently, the chili pepper aficionados had a lower overall risk of death from all causes, as well as from heart disease, cardiovascular ailments, and brain issues. Chili pepper consumption appeared to have the greatest reductions in death from ischemic heart disease and cerebrovascular disease in which blood flow to the brain is somehow compromised. Eating chili peppers also seemed to lessen some effects of an otherwise bad diet. And those who followed a healthy Mediterranean diet, more fish, fruits, and veggies, less red meat and sugar, as well as those who ate less healthy foods, got protective effects from the chili peppers. Researchers say there's more work to be done. In particular, they want to determine whether chili peppers can amplify the health benefits of the Mediterranean diet. In other words, merely adding chili peppers to an otherwise poor diet may not be a magic bullet for better health. But the research suggests that chowing down on chili peppers can do your heart some good. That is, if you can stand the heat. Health in a Heartbeat is produced by University of Florida Health, committed to advancing excellence in patient care, research, and education, and by WUFTFM. Our medical advisors include University of Florida College of Medicine faculty members who provide the latest information in health research and patient care. Visit us at heartbeatradio.org. Welcome to We Question and Learn. This is Tom Pies. We're celebrating our 17th year here on the air on WQLN Radio. Hard to believe 2021 snuck up on us. We're going to stay close to home today. By the way, this program is heard on WQLN Radio the first Sunday of the month at four, so you hear that. But this program also is on NPR One and about a half dozen other podcast venues. Uh, With us today is Tom McClure, and you're the district manager of the Erie County Conservation District. Good day. ECCD, is that how you folks name yourselves? Yes, it cuts down on on writing all of that out, Erie County Uh, Conservation District. So sometimes we just uh, shorten that up to ECCD. Where are your offices? So we are, our office is located on Wager Road in Mill Creek Township. So that's right off of uh, Route 8, I-90, I- okay. um, up on that end of, of Mill Creek Township. And your facilities, what do they look like? So we have a, a two-story office building. We're back in the um, Bundy Industrial Park. Um, so we have a, an office building and um, nature center facility here, um, and uh, we're connected to um, a larger property that we uh, call Headwaters Park, a, a public um, access park, uh, mm-hmm. outdoor recreation area uh, with hiking trails and, and, and things like that. Uh, uh, no offense, I think that's somewhat of a, you don't want it to be a secret. Let's do some PR on that. How long has that been there? Well, it's been around um, 
this office uh, facility was built in, in 2003. Okay? okay. We used to be located in, in Waterford, um, ah. but uh, this, this building was built in 2003. Uh, prior to that, um, in the late 90s, okay, so like uh, 1995, 96, uh, the early stages of the park uh, began. So we have been in this, in this area uh, for some time. Um, but yeah, we try to get the word out that that there is um, another park for people to enjoy, um, bring their um, families out, do a small hike. We've got about two and a half miles of trails uh, currently, and um, just this last year, um, we uh, completed construction on a trail expansion project. Hmm. Uh, we got a nice grant. Uh, through the state, um, we call it DCNR, uh, the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Um, and with help from them and the County of Erie, uh, we were able to put in oh, about 1,200 uh, feet of, of new trail, uh, which includes um, a beautiful boardwalk um, area that extends out into this wetland area of the park, uh, an area that uh, we didn't really have access to before, but we do now. Uh, oh, that's that's fabulous. Um, is it open in winter? It is open in winter. Now we 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 don't do any trail maintenance um, during the winter months, um, but sure. that would be uh, great for anyone who um, is into cross country skiing or snowshoeing. If we do get the, uh, some snow accumulation. Um, but on a day like today, um, trails are open and um, might be a little slippery in spots, but uh, um, we're open year-round and uh, from dawn to dusk every day. That's fabulous. We're talking to Tom McClure, District Manager of the Erie County Conservation District on We Question and Learn today. You folks are just not into that area as, as maintenance. You have a good deal, a large number of responsibilities. And if, if you could, could you outline what your main duties are as an organization in this community? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, just a bit of a background. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what a conservation district is. Mm -hmm. um, conservation districts go back to the 1930s. Um, if we remember our history books with the Dust Bowl from the Midwest, um, the, that event uh, was really the genesis for the conservation movement in the United States um, and how to cooperate with government and, and landowners and farmers how to conserve our, our soil resource and, and our water resource. And in fact, conservation districts uh, exist around the country. Uh, sometimes they're known as soil and water conservation districts. Mm -hmm. um, here in the Commonwealth, um, we're just known as conservation districts. And uh, we, uh, here in Erie County, we are one of 66 conservation districts um, in Pennsylvania. And really, um, our, our main duties center around um, erosion and what we call sediment loss, or we're talking about the soil loss, um, issues like that that, that occur within um, our county borders. So we, um, we, we like to see the soil remain on the ground and, and where it's at and not 
not into our streams because in Pennsylvania, um, sediment or, or dirt or soil, whatever we want to call it, um, when that enters a stream, it, it is a pollutant and, and, can, and can cause harm to um, our wildlife and our, our, our ecosystems. How many folks um, work in your organization? So right now we have, um, uh, including myself, we have eight staff here that that, mm. uh, that work uh, in, in, in different programs. Um, we have uh, some technicians that uh, that deal with. Uh, um, we talk about earth moving um, construction activities in the county. Um, those environmental permits uh, come through our office, and so we need to review those, make sure everything's. Um, up to snuff, and we can approve those permits. We work with the uh, Department of Environmental Protection in Meadville, um, known as the DEP, and so we we partner with them on on um, getting these permits through our office and out the door, so so we can so people can start their projects. Now, under your categories, one is I believe agriculture. How do you interface with folks in that industry? So. Really, like I said before, you know, conservation districts were started by farmers, and that was the case okay. here in Erie County. Uh, our organization started back in, in 1949, uh, a group of concerned farmers um, who uh, wanted to preserve and, and, and conserve their, their lands uh, started the district. So when we, when we work with farmers, um, our main concern is, at least with the livestock operations, uh, we want to see um, farmers keep the manure um, in place and, and not in our streams. And so we can offer uh, technical assistance to those folks, um, work with them on what's called manure management or nutrient management. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are some buzz, buzzwords in our, in our industry and um, help them um, have better barnyards um, and through grants, uh, we can even offer um, some financial assistance to uh, install some construction projects on their properties uh, to, to to help facilitate that control of of, of manure and, and fertilizers and things like that. You have quite a few projects. I'm amazed uh, as you go to the website, which is um, erieconservation.com. I would encourage people to click under featured projects. You folks, forgive forgive the liner here. You do not let the grass grow under your feet. <laughs> Conservation extends into quite a few areas, as I noticed here. And some of these are trail development. Some of these are, wow, you even have a, a drip rain barrel project, just to mention one, but... Are all these projects managed by you and your staff? The ones featured on our, our website are, yes, but you know, we can't go it alone. Um, like okay. I said, you know, we have a staff of eight. Um, so we, we do rely on partners um, uh, to get some of these projects done. And, um, you know, some of the projects that we've done over the years, um, putting conservation on the ground, uh, we we did a a, a stream uh, rehabilitation project through um, Frontier Park and Cascade Creek, um, so that took a lot of partnerships um, to accomplish. Um, we've done um, some other farm projects 
um, in the, the northeast area, um, northeast township. Uh, it's a great growing region over there. And uh, we work with our vineyard owners uh, through a, a program called Pennsylvania Vines, and Vines uh, standing for Vested in Environmental Sustainability. Mm. And so we're enrolling uh, our grape growers um, in this program to um, install what we call best management practices, um, another buzzword in our in our industry, mm-hmm. um, to control uh, runoff, um, proper drainage on farms, um, keep the uh, the fertilizer and, and those chemicals like nitrogen and phosphorus on the farm and not in our streams. Because uh, eventually, you know, being in the Lake Erie watershed, um, those what we call nutrients make their way to Lake Erie, and, and those nutrients are food for um, those hazardous algae blooms we hear on the news a lot. That is and a so big we, issue. Uh that is a big and issue. Now, your area is Lake Erie, obviously, but even as you go as far east as Chautauqua Lake, this is a serious issue mm-hmm. in the United States right. today. Am I right? Right. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, areas where there's uh, a lot of agriculture, you know, those, those, um, those nutrients find their way um, into our waterways and, and can, can do some harm. So um, we, we try to reduce the amount of of loading of those um, chemicals and and the sediment itself um, through projects, and, and we can do that in a sustainable way. And, and again, it, it takes partnerships with landowners to to accomplish those things. Forgive a second pun. You do a lot of seed planting in another way. You are um, you are involved with children and education, middle school and higher, on all Very sorts of so. fronts. You folks do an incredible amount of work in that area. Tell us a little bit about some of the programs that come to mind. Sure. We have a pretty robust environmental education program here. Uh, We have a staff person um, that it's their job to to educate the public um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to environmental issues. And so um, pre-COVID, we we would have um, schools um, from the county and the city um, make field trips here. Um, we take them out into Headwaters Park, get them accustomed to um, nature itself. Um, the stream Mill Creek runs right through our our park here, okay. and so we do um, mm-hmm. different environmental and um, um, educational activities with the stream, um, teaching the kids um, different aspects of 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 how. Uh, nature relates to our water, and a lot of water programming um, comes through our our organization, and um, at least getting kids introduced to to the outdoors. Uh, we had a uh, an after school program uh, through uh, in, in conjunction with the the, the the city of Erie School District. Uh, we called it Nature Immersion, and uh, gets kids acquainted with. Uh, with the outdoors through an after-school program. What's your budget like? The main source of the budget would be the state, am I right? Right. We are funded uh, through different means. Um, we, uh, yeah, the, the state uh, provides um, uh, funds for us um, and for conservation districts around the state. Um, and we're also funded in part by 
the county of Erie. Uh, we we uh, receive a, a, a community grant um, each year, or we apply for one each year, and uh, we're we're very thankful that the, the we have county support here as well. Um, you know, talking about our environmental education program, there's always not a lot of funding for that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we do we do have to do a bit of fundraising um, for that program, and and we accomplish that through in part um, with through grants, and then also um, uh, we offer a, a, an annual seedling sale or a tree sale okay. uh, that helps Great. us um, yeah. promote some of that uh, that education effort. What's your budget like? How do you manage mm-hmm. all this? So I think, you know, we talk about with all the programs and funding that we receive, we get about a million dollars each year. Um, and a lot of that is, you know, restricted program funds. Um, one of our, our bigger programs that we that we operate through our office is called the Dirt and Gravel Low Volume Roads Program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where we assist uh, municipalities in the county um, for environmentally sensitive road maintenance projects. And so we can offer funds. Um, basically, they come into our office. We we offer them out to, to municipalities who apply for those grants. And so we, we, put the, we put the money on the ground as much as we can uh, through projects. Your budget is under review every year. You have to apply for grants. You're hand to mouth quite a bit. I get the feeling that we are. It's sometimes are. stressful. It, it, it can be at times, um, and with this um, this year especially, um, yeah. You know, we were hand to mouth through through November, and then the um, the state legislature extended that budget, that state budget, through uh, the end of June here this year. Um, and so it is a it is a battle, um, you know, um, to get these uh, state funds, local funds. Um, but you know, I, I see it as uh, always the conservation districts having having them in your county um, is a benefit. Um, otherwise, um, you know, we talk about permitting and economic development and construction projects. Those permits would go through. Um, would have to go through the DEP, um, either in the, the region office or in Harrisburg, which could take some extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as a, you know, with a staff of eight, we are a little bit more nimble um, and can turn things around a, a little bit quicker than, than they would in Harrisburg. We're talking with Tom McClure, the district manager of the Erie County Conservation District. Talk a little bit, if you would, about your board. Are they a governance board? Are they a guidance board? Do they help you integrate with the county? What type of board do you have? I guess that's an open-ended question more than it sounds, but your board is a highly active board, I believe? Yes, we, we have a great board. Um, you know, conservate, there's a, there's a law surrounding about, uh, you know, talking about conservation district. There's conservation district law in Pennsylvania, and that requires us to have you know, seven members. Mm-hmm. Uh, four of those members are to be um, agricultural-related, uh, okay. so oh, farmers. Okay. Um, you know, there's a, there's a large ag presence on our board, mm-hmm. and so these are volunteer folks. Um, 
that that care about um, you know the programs that we offer. We also have on our board what we call public directors. So that's basically defined as someone who's a non-farmer um, interested in conservation efforts. And oh. then uh, the seventh member is a legislative uh, member of the board. And so that's the link between um, our organization and county government. Um, and so uh, the county executive sits um, as a member of our board um, as that um, as that link. Um, so county always knows what, what we're up to and, and what we're doing. And, um, you know, it just solidifies that partnership that we have uh, with the county and county departments. So you have your farm director, your public director, you have associate directors, the county executive, the DEP representative sits on your board. Of course, every board has a good treasurer and a good chairman. So you've got quite a few people. How often do they meet? Is there? We meet monthly. Oh, yeah, that's monthly. that's incredible. That's great. Yeah, uh, we're, we meet on the third Thursday of the month. Um, you know, we, we do um, offer... Uh, some in-person meetings, and also uh, we offer that out as a you know a, a virtual type um, Zoom um, uh, conference mm -hmm. as well, and and so those those meetings are are, are posted um, on our website. We do our annual um, meeting notification, um, so the public is is aware and, and able to attend if they can. Is this a fundraiser on your website? It's called Order Seedlings. How did that all come about? Is that a fundraiser or is that a conservation program or, or was it a conservation or is it a little bit of both? I would agree that it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, so our, our seedling, our annual seedling sale takes place um, at the end of April. And this year it's April 30th. Um, oh, good. So this has been going on for now 40 years. And it's uh, a program that a lot of conservation districts adopt. Um, uh, it's a way to get trees in the ground. And, um, you know, we can, we can take proceeds from that sale and, and apply it to our environmental education programming. Um, so what will happen here in the next month, um, we'll have an order form. Uh, published yeah. Yeah. and sent out to folks on our mailing list, or uh, then we post that um, on our website, and you can take a look at that, print it out for yourself, um, and either order online through the online store, or you can mail your order form and, and payment in to the the district here, and we'll get that process. There's, a, there's an, that's an event, or I should say, a program that benefits everyone in the community, one way or the other, especially right. we, over we the long run. Some, yeah, yeah, we see some financial benefit through, in which we apply to our programming, and then uh, the other benefit is that you know we get um, three or four thousand plants um, in the ground uh, through our customers. That's phenomenal. Uh, Speaking of planning, your whole board gets together, your whole staff gets together. How do you determine, and of course you're probably involved with the state on this, how do you determine what you're going to do in the next, say, one or two years or even farther out than that? Mm -hmm. So we try to get together every five years and ah. review our strategic plan. Okay. And so, um, yes, there is a lot of planning involved. Um 
you know, we, we lay out our goals, our long-term goals, our short-term goals, our annual goals, and um, you know, it does take a lot to, it takes a lot of staff input, it takes a lot of board input, and it takes a lot of, um, I guess, our partner or um, volunteer input from the, from the community uh, to provide direction for us. And so we try to do that exercise um, every five years and, and review those annually um, uh, to, to make sure we're, we're heading in the right direction. One of your resources is the Regional Science Consortium, which... One, is, of, a, one of our great partners, yes. Yeah, nonprofit. Uh, are they still up at the Tom Ridge Center? Yes, they are. They are, and I've been yeah. there, and as part of the Tom Ridge Center, they had a little lab going there and some nice offices. Mm. Unfortunately, we're sort of under quarantine here, but you, you need to have data and information in order to do programs, and they do quite a few research projects, I believe, and they also do education, I believe. Is that right? A lot of both. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of both. They're, they're, yeah. they're a great resource. We're glad to um, be in touch with them. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of give and take on, you know, it's a two-way street uh, when you talk about partnerships, especially with uh, an organization like that. Uh, they need us, that we need them um, to roll out uh, a lot of these educational programs. Um, we lean on them for data. Uh, when we talk about, um, you know, our hazardous algae bloom um, issues that we have in the county um, and on Presque Isle and Lake Erie in general, um, so um, so yeah, we 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 assist where we can um, with a partner like the Regional Science Consortium and and. Uh, it's a good two-way street there. And they have over a dozen very important organizations all tied in with them. So that's the big outreach. So you folks are, if I could say this, are all coordinated? You seem to be all working together. At least we try to. Um, yes, we, we, you know, we're, we're, we have the same vision. And we all are, are, are good at our own special uh, talents. And then when we put those together, we can, we can accomplish great things. In the last few minutes here, you mentioned you do a five-year plan, or every five years you get together and determine your mission, vision, et cetera. Right. Is that, is that meeting coming up, or are you um, a little ways off? I guess the big question is, where do you see your organization going in the next few years? Or is it, let's just make sure we do everything we do now as well as we can and do it correctly? There's a lot of fine-tuning um, that we can do. Um, but main goals would be, or you know, changes in direction would be to get more what I call putting conservation on the ground, mm. and that's through projects. And so we'd like mm. to see more projects that that do what they're intended to do. You know, keep the soil on the land, keep the nutrients out of the water, um, and so. With that, that gives the public um, a, a good visual of, of, of what we do. And so I'd like to see a lot more projects um, being placed on the ground, and that takes grant money, that takes cooperation and partnerships. And I'd also like to see, um, you know, with our expansion of uh, not only our trail network here at the park, um, 
you know, expansion of our environmental education program. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of resources here in this in this building. Um, like to get that out and and uh, and share that with 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 the public with more through uh, through more uh, nature type programs. Well, this is the part where we ask you to let people know how they can find you. Maybe drop a notice to what your next project is. Phone number, website, how can someone being inspired by your comments today, how can people help you? Well, you can always pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, our phone number <laughs> here at uh, here at the district is 814-825-6403. You can always find us online at www.erieconservation.com. Excellent. And you can always um, send an email to info at erieconservation.com. Well, that's an easy easy name to remember, erieconservation.com. They'll find everything they need to know and maybe they can pop on the site and review some of the topics that you covered what a great honor to have you here tom mcclure the district manager and uh really, really appreciate you oh my me. gosh it's uh, i think it's uh you're not a, a best kept secret but a little pr relative to the investment that your organization is helping the community make and keeping us green keeping us healthy in the long run and the erie county conservation district i believe is a, a good investment and if people would just like to learn more they know how to find you go to erieconservation.com i think they'll be well not surprised but they'll be gratified to see all your projects all your outreach to look at your board to see your relationship with many of the major conservation entities in the community and of course folks that live and work here and depend on our environment to make a living very good. Hey, yeah, thank you. Great. You can you can hire me now as your PR guy. I'm <laughs> right. kidding. I'm teasing because I know you have some well grounded and highly educated and totally motivated staff. Tom McClure, thank you for joining us on We Question and Learn today. Thank you. Thanks for having me.